there may come a time where you have to protect yourself. Stop relying on everybody else. It's biological, but we suppress it so much society-wise that you end up creating weak people. Like you said, history will will self-correct itself、um, when strong people rise up. Strong leaders. What are you doing for your family, for your community, and for your nation? You actually have a duty to be prepared, to be strong, and to be a part of this process. If you're comfortable, that that only leads to weakness. If you don't influence your children, something or someone else will. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself, and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. All right, welcome to the Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Balu, and we have a very special guest lined up for you today. Today's guest. Uh, is John Spencer. He is one of the world's leading scholars and experts in the field of urban warfare. He studied, taught, and written about urban warfare for over a decade, and he's conducted actual live field research on urban battlefields all over the world, from places like Iraq, Israel, India, Panama, to the Nagorno-Karabakh area. Where Azerbaijan and、uh, Armenia have had some、uh, disagreements as to who owns that. <laughs> he's advised militaries around the world on how to get better at military operations in urban areas, and he's also a veteran of urban warfare, having had two urban-centric combat deployments to Iraq: one during the invasion in 2003, and again in Baghdad in 2008 during the U.S. surge in the Battle of Sadr City. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an honor. It's an honor to have you here, my friend. Thank you for your service. So,、um, John, we're living in—I'm、uh, sure you would agree—uncertain times. You know, there's a friend of mine. His name's Jeff Hop. He wrote a poem in one of his books that's become pretty famous. It goes something like this: Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. I think we're in the fourth turning, where the weak men are creating hard times right now, and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about, you know, your backstory beyond the bio, so people get to know who you are. Sure. No, I I 100% agree with that that statement. I actually just got back from the Ukraine and Kiev and touring a country who are under hard times, and you see hard men rising to the occasion from literally from 16 year old boys to To sixty-year-old grandpas coming out to fight hard, hard men. So my backstory, actually,、um, which is interesting, because I grew up without a male figure in my life. I, I grew up, you know, my dad left when I was young. My mom, who's hardcore, let me tell you, three jobs, three kids, you know, homeless at one point. And I joined the military at, at the age of sixteen, really, and then and then started basic training at seventeen. And I tell people I was re-raised in the military, but I spent 25 years in the U.S. Army, serving in units like the Rangers and Airborne and places like that, where I was just surrounded by hard men. But also growing up in the 
into a you know, a subset of what is strength, what is preparedness, what is so I I think all that leads me to where where I am now, and I get to travel the world, so I actually get a you know a broader sense of of what masculinity is around the world as well. I think sometimes that's the problem when you kind of have this narrow focus of your day to day life, or even the challenges that are out there, or challenges that could be presented. Not taking it to heart now. My you know my primary purpose in life now is to be a father. Right, I have three small kids. My son is eleven. So as I struggled growing up with that, and then in the military, it's a day to day battle. What what is strength? What is uh, you know really what is strength in 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 the male society? I I struggle to make sure I I align my not just my son but also to my to my daughters to be be strong individuals. No, it's that's super super important, and I think a lot of people living in the West have never really experienced hard times. I'm originally from Iran. I was 11 years old when the Iranian revolution happened. And I tell a story when I go on other people's podcasts that um, one day someone threw a Molotov cocktail through our living room window. It landed right next to my feet. My dad was around. He immediately recognized it for what it was. He pulled out the wick, <laughs> stomped it out, wow. poured out the gasoline somewhere else. <laughs> that's the only reason you and I are talking today. I mean, you know, but for the grace of God and the quick thinking of my father, uh, you know, I, I would not be here. Uh, and I think a lot of people in the West are, you know, practicing ostrich syndrome. They're shoving their head in the sand going, it couldn't happen here. It couldn't happen here. Well, I can tell you in Canada, we just had a series of protests against vaccine mandates led by our truckers. And the prime minister of Canada decided that he wasn't the prime minister of a democratically elected country, but he was a dictator of a fascist dictatorship. And he sent, um, basically, uh, they were called police, but they were, in essence, armed soldiers to trample on these people. I mean, there's video footage of um, a police horse, a big two-ton, two-and-a-half-ton animal trampling a woman with a walker who was part of the protests. And People go, no, 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 well, those guys deserved it. No, they didn't deserve nothing, man. They were, they were citizens of a country disagreeing with their government and petitioning it for redress, and the government decided to behave this way. And Russia just invaded Ukraine, and there is a full-on war with tens of thousands of casualties, dead bodies uh, of soldiers who are fighting for their uh, for their freedom, and then other soldiers who are conscripts who are being forced to fight a, a war that many of them probably don't want to fight, and all kinds of of, of maimed and wounded uh, people as well. And people in the rest of the world just they're not getting it, and there's all kinds of consequences that are coming here. So I'm glad to have you here on the show because I think urban warfare is something that we could be faced with sooner than we think. Uh, and I'm wondering if you might be able to just a share your thoughts on that, but also share some of your expertise on what kind of conditions uh, result in wars. Is a war possible in in the West in Western countries? And if it is, what can we do in order to prepare ourselves best? Yeah, so that's a that's a lot. Uh, well, all war is politics, so only the dead have seen the end of war. Uh, so. There's nobody who can predict what the next war will be. Um, there are, you know, there are advantages to living in 
in North America and being surrounded by barriers to large armies invading you. So th that is an advantage, but um, I don't think that discounts building strong individuals who can, in their day-to-day -day lives, be prepared for adversity when it comes. You know, I got to, when I went up to Ukraine recently, I was there to study the Battle of Kiev, how these, you know, how these civilians rose up and, and defeated the second most powerful army in the world. And it was something that had deep inside of them, to be honest. It was, it was the lack of training. It, training is one thing, but having the will to fight. Um, we actually struggled that with even in the U.S. military um, around 2005-ish, when people were even serving in the U.S. military and not thinking that they were fighters. Uh, the Marine Corps has a real hard culture of every person's a rifleman, but in the U.S. Army, some people were sold lies on like, I'm going to join this martial occupation, but I'm just going to be the person that you know gives out the food or whatever, doesn't fight. We had a real hard problem of, um, because militaries are a reflection of their society, taking people from our society and then making them warriors. And one of the things we found out is, you know, just if you're, if you're never put to this, so how can you do it safely? We have, uh, you know, fighting drills that we do and we learn, you know, uh, basically martial arts. But the, the whole point of the drills is, is the ability to fight, but it's actually to test somebody's willingness to take a step forward and face danger. I think that throughout my 25 year military career, that one action of the, the will to fight, the courage to step forward into danger is something that can be replaced, even though societies might not, you know, build it in you, right? Because we rely, you get kind of used in the West to other people doing that for you, right? The police will come or whatever aspect. I mean, war is on this spectrum of, of violence, the worst case scenario. Um, that doesn't mean uh, there aren't ways to prepare yourselves for any adversity, whether it's a, a pandemic or whatever. But I, as a, you know, as a person in my children, what I try to, whether it's to throw a punch or it's to stand up against bullies. Really, if you look at Russia versus Ukraine, Russia sent an army of, of bullies into a country with no human values and just started massacring people. And I, I got back from a place called Bucha where the Russians you know, tied, the, tied the hands of the women and the children and shot them in the back of the head and killed over 400 people, just literal massacres and rape babies to death. Um, in some places, you know, that's because men didn't stand up, to be honest. Uh, in Ukraine, they did. And, and they, like I said, the people I looked into their eyes, those were hard people who had no training at all, but had that in themselves, that will to fight. So I think we could do a lot around the world on making sure people know that you will have to face danger and because people will live their lives and never experience that and almost go into like this state of, uh, we call it learned helplessness. It's actually a yeah. psych, a psych, yeah, learned helplessness. Psychiatric right? term, yeah. That's right. Learned helplessness. And then you're relying on somebody else. They're never faced with adversity. So I, I put a lot of work into even raising my children or when I was a, a leader in the U.S. military. Yeah, there's training and I can train you on how to fight in urban warfare. And I actually did that for Ukraine and actually created a, a little manual for civilians to rapidly understand how to take advantage of the urban terrain. But really, you got to start with somebody's going to fight. 
as in somebody is willing and has it in them to fight. And that can, that starts at a young age with us to throw a punch, stand up to a bully, enter a fight. Uh, and I think that we could, as a societies around the world, invest a lot in that. Right. And I think this is that masculinity that you say, you know, it's not okay to, you know, punch people. It's not okay to fight. Uh, yeah, but the, there's something inside that you need to 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 in ingrain in people that there may came a, come a time where you have to protect yourself, stop relying on everybody else. It's a, it's a human feature that it's biological, but we suppress it so much as a you know, and you know, it's, it's society wise that, that you end up creating weak people, and that's yeah. what the U.S. military has to do. We have to take people who have been you know raised like I was as a kid, you know. Raised in a house full of women, no, and my wife or my mom was a hard woman, but I had no male influence, and I never faced adversity. Yeah, she can't. She can't teach you how to be a man. She can give you a lot of love. She can do all kinds of things for you, but your mom cannot teach you how to be a man. Well, I, I will say I agree, but there is one memory that sticks in my mind from. So there's lots in the, in the military, of course, but one day I, I think I was probably eight years old, and somebody had had pushed me around a bully. And my mom happened to catch it. She grabbed me by the ear and said, either you go back and you fight that person or I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> that was a moment, right? Uh, good for that, her. That's a good mom. Yeah. That was a, like, she did the best she could, but I agree with you. you um, it takes, and we're, we're dealing with this, this phenomenon in the United States. I, I think I just saw, you know, I follow a lot of, of different feeds, but, I think 85% of people that are in prison grew up without a father. Yep. That's a fact. That's reality. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's a terrible phenomenon. Uh, but this is, this is a ideal in the world of national security crisis, but this is a kind of a global crisis of, um, you know, cause if you don't have those, that figure, like you said, how do you face life? If you don't know how to be strong, in in the in the uh, even the psychological sense but you know having a strong moral background is a part of strength a strong moral background is definitely a part of strength and uh, you know in in my opinion we're living in a time where um there's a there's an all-out assault on men and masculinity by nefarious forces you know um there are folks out there who um openly admit that they're fomenting gender confusion to defeat the patriarchy, you know, because they, 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 they were seeing they couldn't do it head on. <laughs> Men were too strong. So this is what they're doing. They want to try to confuse the next generation. That's ridiculous. You know, I got a lot of time and sympathy for a very small number of individuals that go through real gender confusion, gender dysphoria, I know a couple myself in my life, but I know over 20,000 people personally. So, you know, two out of 20,000 is a very, very small number. These folks are trying to make it 30, 40% of the population. It's insanity. It's ridiculous. It's an assault on men. It's an assault on families. And it's, it's got to be stopped and it will be stopped because there are good men and women that are standing up to this. Thank God. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, so, what's, I mean, go ahead. My, my thoughts on that. So, you know, just personal thoughts. Um, look, as a father, but also as a leader in the military, individuals are faced with 
because of the connected world, right? I, I wrote this book called Connected Soldiers. Every individual is under the influences of all kinds of, you know, bad things. And if and if 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 you allow people to be socialized or be influenced by the world, as in it, so I'm a parent, so I, I take a, a great pride on being the influence, the mentor, the guide for my children. And same thing as leadership in, in the in the military. But if you give up that role and you let the world influence, uh, there's so many bad things in the world that there becomes moments when from the day they're born. And that's why, you know, being a father is my number one role in life. Um, that if you, if you don't influence your children, something or someone else will, and they'll send them down a path that now you, I agree with you that in, in many realms, whether it's gender or, ideals of strength that, that the society will will guide them because you because we advocated our role because we were busy yeah like we're all busy there's no question but you know we still gotta we still gotta fulfill our role um i was heartened in the united states by the election of glenn youngkin in uh, virginia as the governor of the commonwealth of virginia and it was done on the backs of parents that were absolutely disgusted at how the school boards were running roughshod over um, their rights as parents and their uh, desire to have their children educated in a particular way. And these parents had never voted for a Republican before in, the, in their lives. And just hundreds of thousands of them voted this man in, you know, and the first thing he did was he went after these school boards and he started to take away some of their prerogatives and put those prerogatives back in the hands of where it properly belonged, the parents. So that gave me heart. And I also really respect what's being done in the state of Florida under the leadership of Governor Ron DeSantis. You know, Governor DeSantis uh, signed a bill saying that you can't sexualize um, five to eight-year-olds. And then all of a sudden, the mainstream media starts saying, oh, my God, he's homophobic. I'm like, excuse me. No, no, you guys are just using this to try and shut him up because that's what they do whenever their their um, their point of view is under attack is they, they go and call people names. And it's just it gives me a lot of hope to see instances like this. And it's it's my belief that uh, America is a um, special place. It's a it's a it's a godly place right now that's under attacked by some dark nefarious evil forces and it could go either way it could be like the late roman empire and it could crumble to um the vicissitudes of its own internal uh, moral uh decrepitude or it could turn things around and become the america that it's always been and it could be the beacon of freedom that it's always been you know abraham lincoln and the Gettysburg Address said that America is the last best hope for mankind. And he's absolutely right. It's absolutely right, yeah, in my I, opinion. Absolutely. And, and you know, this is the, the United States has a lot of problems, right? But we also have a lot of strengths. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that many of our problems start in the, in the household. Yeah. So I just, had a, I just had an episode, which is insane. Um, and I, you know, we live in a, we live in a in a good place in our lives. You, you, good income, good values. I I have the dream job of my life. 
Uh, I get to influence my children every day. But we had an incident where a school shooting, right? So it's it's a it's in it's in a pandemic. It's a, it's a national crisis. But even you think it can't come to you. So in my in my son, eleven year old school, a kid went to school with an airsoft rifle, took a photo in camouflage clothes, and said, "School shoot up a school." So um, one, it, it was responded to quickly. But one, it's a shock, like never you. But I. I think it starts with with the parents. I mean, how does how do our children get the ideal to do that? Right? He, he didn't have a. He had, it's not about for me. It's not about. I, I'm a huge believer in gun ownership and responsibility, but this this is about parenting. That child was influenced somewhere somehow that that was something that was of you know to be cool, to be of value to them, to be shocking, to get some attention. So of course the kid is in a huge amount of trouble, but I personally believe that this all starts with parenting, right? So that kid got that ideal. And this is where you abdicate to the world raising of our children to these values and these ideals in their head. So I, I think a lot of our problems start in the household. Um, our system has lots of checks and balances and, and I'm, I'm huge. You know, I'm, it is, a, you know, I'm kind of, I am a, as red, white, and blue as can be, that the American system is the greatest. Because I've been around the world, and I've seen many other systems. Yeah, um, but we do have problems, and I think a lot of those start start at home. Whether it's building strong individuals, like my, I talk to my son about what to do if there's school shootings and things like that. But I also we closely regulate the influences on them. Man, that's very important to do that. You know, I think the theme of this conversation really is uh, about what a father's role is to influence his his sons and his daughters to have them turn out a particular way. And abdicating your role as a father is dangerous because your kids will be wrongly influenced and they'll do stupid shit like this boy who uh, went into school with an airsoft gun and thought it was a cool idea to take a photo of it and say, hey, let's shoot up a school. Thank God yep. he didn't do it. You know, that would have been, <laughs> that would have been horrible. Right. But then there's people who try to use that event and say, this is all about guns. It has nothing to do about, with guns. This has to do with the influences on that individual in the, in the, so these are the, the things that we don't want to talk about the harder problems that are deeper, whether it's you, like you said, that even a, a telling a kid what is okay in a school, right? Get out of my my home and in, in in your school, and and telling my kids what is okay and what is not. I'll do that based on the values that we have in our system. Uh, but it, it it it's it's pretty big, and this is like you said, history will will self correct itself um, when strong people rise up, strong leaders, and being a parent, whether being a, a leader in in the U.S. military, being a general. Um, leadership it's such a important part of our strength right when strong men rise up strong individuals and demonstrate with their actions not just with their words on the values that we have it all has to go back to the values of our system 100 has to go back to the values of our system and the fact that such a great system was created in the first place by the founding fathers because those were those were you know uh, strong men who 
created good times out of hard times, right? The American Revolution. Those men were ready to fight. You, you know, uh, they pledged to defend their ideals with their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. I think that's out of the Declaration of Independence, right? Uh, it's it's very important that people understand who created this incredible system that allowed so much success to flourish. You know, there's a there's a fellow I had on the podcast who um, took some clips from the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, basically, and put a video together, which very powerfully demonstrated what makes America great, you know, and Rogan says that this uh, nation is an experiment, an experiment in free governance, and it has been the most successful such experiment in self-governance in the history of the world, and in under 300 years has created the greatest superpower the world has ever seen by extolling the vision of freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. That's what has made America, America. That's what's made America a place that everybody from around the world wants to come to. And the problem, uh, as I see it right now, is there are folks who want to fundamentally change the character of the country. And they are trying to do it in such a way that is going to um, negatively affect the lives of the vast majority of people. And the reason I was excited to speak to you is because you have been in environments where you've seen what happens when the rule of law collapses, when the ideals that underpin a society collapse. You know, Ukraine uh, is a nation that has only been independent for 30 years, right? 30 years. And the fellow in charge of Russia is a former KGB operative who was absolutely horrified when the old Soviet Union broke up. And he has got a vision of uh, Novorussia to have greater Russia be reconstituted. And he was held in check because the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, was a strong man, stronger and rougher than he is. He was scared of Trump. And Trump told him, listen, you invade Ukraine, we're sending nukes to, to the Kremlin. So think about that, right? And he kind of laughed when he said it. But, you know, Putin looks at him and goes, this guy might actually do it, right? He might actually, like, want to take me out. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold back. And then we've got a fellow in here today. Uh, who's supposedly the president of the United States, he can barely string two sentences together without a teleprompter. And, um, you know, he, he's obviously uh, mentally compromised. And as a result, this is, there's a weak man in charge right now of the United States, and America's enemies are, are doing everything they can to basically take advantage of this fact. And one of those things is that Ukraine got invaded and the rule of law right now globally has, uh, you know, has uh, has been compromised because of Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine and Ukraine, the Ukrainian people are fighting back hard and strong and great. But there's also people in charge of Ukraine that are kleptocrats that are that are siphoning off money. I mean, 40 billion dollars in military aid. I, I can't even imagine how much that is. What, what have they done with all that money? 
I'm sure a bunch of it's gone into the pockets of some of the leaders there. So, oh, that was a lot. One, one I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan's more so because he has a, a platform where he'll talk to anybody yep. because a lot, a lot of people have opinions and slogans that they spout around the world, but they're not willing to stand face to face with somebody and, 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 in long form, not in short clips, uh, discuss those and, and peel back the onion and see what's backing those and what's the agenda. So huge fan of Joe's who will say whatever he feels and bring on whoever he wants from all sides. And that's, that's our system, right? Everybody has a voice, but you're going to, um, you're going to say all these things, but let's talk these out. So on uh, interesting about Ukraine agree, um, that I've been around the world from you know Iraq to like you said Nagorno Karabakh to India, um, some some cultures like Russia only respect strength, and if you come at them without anything other than strength, they're they're going to just demolish you and overcome you. Uh, so they only respect strength. So it's other forms of power, right? Diplomacy and they they don't they just don't care. They they only care about strength. Interesting about Ukraine is that I see people around the world today that think that say it's not our problem. Um, it's you know you know they're all right. Their government, their their age of democracy is. If if people don't see the relationship to Ukraine's journey to in reflect on our own journey as the United States as a a, a people wanting to resist a you know a larger force trying to impose on a people no matter by by evil ways or mean ways they don't see the birth of america in the in the struggle of ukrainian people they're just and this is the problem as a scholar right you know i was a soldier now i do research if people have ideals they just don't have um perspective they don't have knowledge they, they haven't even looked at it from all sides they haven't studied the world um you know, I see people saying Ukraine's not our fight. Why are we spending billions of dollars to assist Ukraine when they've had their issues and they've had you know, Russian puppets in charge of Ukraine in the past? And like you said, they've had issues with corruption. But trust me, we, we've had our own issues with corruption yeah, in America. We, but we still do. <laughs> yeah, we still do, right? Uh, so, but this is about again about the balance of strong individuals, strong people in, in, in a country of 40 million, the first thing that the president did said, and if you're an adult male from 16 to 60, you are not allowed to leave this country. You will stay and fight for this ideal of you, of the country of Ukraine. And it's one thing to tell people to do that. But what I saw as I traveled around Ukraine was that that's what they did. They didn't just stay because they had to, they stayed fought. So if I knew nothing about Ukraine, other than the fact that they what I now know from visiting is that they stood up against this evil regime and this yeah. evil military. Not everybody in Russia is evil, but this military was brought up from kids to the to the placing of the military to dehumanize other individuals and and to do evil things. Um, at the birth, at at the core value again, the value of us as Americans as a nation is the ideal of freedom uh, and freedom. the ideal that. But also, I, I agree. So I would not have said, let's support Ukraine on day one. Absolutely not. Right? There's lots of people, there's lots of bad things happening around the world. 
Ukraine had to show that it was willing to fight for itself. Yes. Even Russia thought 72 hours, they'll bow to me, they'll kneel, and I'll be able to overcome them. But what Ukraine has shown in the world is that the entire population is willing to fight for them, fight for their freedom. Because they, they got faced with adversity, like I was talking about in the beginning. Americans are comfortable. They don't have enough fight for their survival at this moment. Although they're in a fight for the values of our society and they just don't realize it. Um, they haven't been put to the test. Ukrainians were put to the test and they rose up. I also understand geopolitical aspects too, that what Russia was doing, what Russia was attempting to do because it has a nuclear weapon, it's a nuclear terrorist, is that I can take any country, I can invade a sovereign nation at any time I want, and there's nothing anybody's going to do about it because I have a nuclear weapon. Um, he was trying to upset, upset the global international order and really start World War III. Although people are trying to say that's why we shouldn't help, it's because it could literally do is upsetting the, the order of the world and what it was doing. So I, I'm 100% to send billions of dollars to Ukraine to buy them weapons in which they can kill Ukrainians or kill Russians in Ukraine. It's a sovereign nation. Uh, and people forget about our, our own history, right? We would not be here if the French didn't interject into our revolution and support us to fight. We had to show it as a nation, as a, the, our, our strength, our warriors stood up and said, I want to be free. Uh, so that's why what I think about people today that think that we shouldn't be spending money. Also, they just don't understand how our system works and where we're sending money because it's not about what ifs, but we're spending a lot of money on things that billions of dollars on whatever it is. And if I can, I can spend money in an entire country who said, I don't want you to fight for me. I just need weapons. It is literally the American story is happening in Ukraine. A very small amount of people, bankers, you know, farmers, whatever, saying, give me a weapon and I will fight. And that's what you see. It, it literally, like, go back and watch the story of our nation. That's what happened in the, in, in the colonies. Yeah. 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 You know, look, I agree. And I think it's good to support Ukraine against Putin um, and, frankly, Ukraine against Russia. I'm just concerned that some of that money, just given the history of the current uh, so-called president of the United States with Ukraine and Ukrainian oligarchs. I don't know if you've seen the movie that Breitbart just uh, put out called My Son Hunter. I watched it. That movie blew me away because it's based on uh, facts, actual facts gleaned from reliable sources. Joe Biden and his family have profited from their relationship with Ukraine. So when billions and billions of dollars get sent there, I'd love to see some sort of oversight, some sort of accountability, just because of who's doing the sending. But Absolutely. whether we should fight, whether we should fight, um, uh, whether we should support Ukraine through money and through other actions, a thousand percent, man. I mean, I, 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 I was blown away when I saw the Klitschko brothers and yeah, yeah. Uh, man, strong man. And, yeah. and Usyk. These are like, these are like men that are worth a couple hundred million dollars or more a piece, you know, world champion boxers are going, okay, yep. give me a gun. I'm going to go tell me some Ruskies. And I was like, wow, damn, so I man. I, I man. am all about supporting those dudes. 
and the the president of Ukraine has definitely yeah. stood up hard and strong. He hasn't left the country. He hasn't been a little bitch. He's been a man in that regard. So nobody can take that away from him and his country. There's no question about it. And one of the yeah. reasons, like I said, I wanted to have you on the show is because I think what happened uh, and is happening in Ukraine, it's not so far-fetched that it spreads to other parts of the world, including the West. Yeah, these men, these these role models, right? So look look at the role models that we have in our society of who we, you know, people that have millions and millions of followers. Like it's just misguided. Like if you want to have a role model, you want to have a story which which would guide on the path that you are on individually as a man or as a, a you know as a leader in whatever. Um, the stories we tell each other, but th these guys are creating lifelong stories of, of look at this. And I think the Kalinska brothers are, are amazing story, right? Where did they look, where did they get that sense of, of, of fight in them? Look, they got it in, in, in boxing, right? Boxing is a sport where you must face off against another man. I, I, I think there's beyond this sport. This, this is the martial qualities that we all need in our lives. Um, so I'm not saying I didn't play any sports as a kid. Right? Like I said, I got I got re-raised in the military and learned and had to be knocked down a lot to, to understand all of this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I 100% I agree about this is our system, right? This is our system of oversight. We want and why we elect individuals to prioritize things in the American society. And accountability, absolutely, it should be a priority. But don't get me started on accountability in Afghanistan. I didn't fight in Afghanistan. I fought in Iraq. But for 20 years, we spent $3 trillion on a country who for the entire time was rated the, one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Like there's actually an index. It's called the Corruption Index. That it, It's a, you know objective fact-based research on corruption. Uh, and Afghanistan- and they weren't willing to the, fight for themselves. They had, we, we did all the yeah. fighting for them. Right. You got to put people to the test. I, I'm a huge believer. Whether it's a kid or a man, they have to be put to the test. And sometimes they have to be frequently put to the test. Um, there were lots of people in Afghanistan who were put to the test and they failed. Like the, the president left within hours and then it, it all fell apart. Well, you had this comedian leading Ukraine who said, I don't need, and everybody, to include the United States, is telling it, you need to leave your country. You're getting invaded. And, and, one, he provides us the quotes to help lead people's lives, right? I don't need a ride. I need more ammo. ammunition. Yeah, right? that was great. That was awesome. Yeah, but, but that's the power. Oh, there's powers in quotes, right? Because people, this is the way people will guide their lives, right? There's so many, the men in the, in the arena, uh, you know, Kipling's, you know, if, you know, these things that guide these values that we all, you know, especially, you know, that we need. The role models, the influences, all the things that we talk about, your podcast, um, you got to have these hard conversations frequently. You do, my brother. You 1,000% need to have these hard conversations. I've been enjoying this conversation, man. I think that's um, fantastic to have someone with your background uh, serving in the military for 25 years, being an expert in urban warfare, come and talk about these issues. And I think anyone listening to the show needs to needs to needs to take a hard look at the world that we're living in today. And if all you're doing is living life the way you've always lived it, you know, working and, you know, 
partying or going to school, looking after your family, and you're not looking at the bigger macro trends that are going on in the world at large, um, you got your head in the sand because hard yeah, times they, are yep. here. Absolutely. And, and they have every individual has to do their part. And that's part of being strong. You can't live under this this great system under the freedoms, all the service we provide and think you have no role in that. Like you actually have a duty to be prepared, to be strong and to be a part of this process. You know, some of that's the voting, but it's actually in your community, in your family. Like we were talking about people need to have a hard look, ask themselves a hard question on what, it, what are you doing for your family, for your community and for your nation. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to write that down. Family, community, nation. You know, the last Democrat president that I admired was John F. Kennedy. And he had a brilliant line in his yeah. inaugural address. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I thought that's brilliant. No, it, it gives you goosebumps. It, it, it gives me goosebumps, right? I, I led a life of service in the U.S. military, but that, that doesn't mean the day I got out of the military, my my duty to serve didn't. It doesn't end. If you grow, if you are born a U.S. citizen, you have a duty to keep this system alive, right? It, and this is what we've been talking about to understand when it's under threat. But some of that threat is literally people being lazy, like uh, advocating whatever it is, whether it's what's taught in school, what is, what's, you know, who you, who's elected, what are the priorities, how we spend our money. Um, it isn't them. It's, it's literally the person in the mirror. It's us um, to, to do our part. Yeah, no, hundred percent, man. hundred um, percent. So John, uh, you've got a, you've got a book you've written. Let's talk to us a bit about the book. Sure. So the book's the memoir. Well, I have so I have another book coming out about urban warfare. If you're just interested in that, coming out in like a month. But the book I I just published called Connected Soldiers. It's a memoir uh, of my combat experience, uh, good, bad, ugly, leading in, in in some of the worst conditions you could ever imagine. Um, it, it it has a theme about this ideal of cohesion, community. Um, every one of us needed a tribe. And the military gives you that, right? And that's why people really struggle when they leave the military. Like, I'll never have that brotherhood again. And that's just false, right? In, in our communities, we have it, right? It's who we, who we have as our brothers, um, what tribe we associate ourselves with, whether it's you know a, a, a gym, a, a shooting program, you name it. We have a tribe. So the, in the book, I show how mass media, internet, all that could is was a threat to my soldiers in combat, right? Their ability to communicate, lead online lives was was challenging our ability to create cohesion, the band of brothers. And I, I, I put up the warning, but it, it's a memoir. But I think that the lesson that I, I like to express to people is that to have a tribe is biological. It's part of being human. It's part of being a man in our society. Uh, if you if you just go down these internet dark holes, it, it can actually lead you to believe that we're al al alone in life, but we're not. Uh, we're we're actually more connected today than we've ever been in human history, but many people are are more alone because they they think that this online community, communities, whatever it is, 
can replace that that key vibe community aspect that we need to survive, um, which is about what we've been talking about. Your, your individual role, but also your, your role in your community. The book's about the band of brothers that I had the pleasure of serving with, but also a warning to you. We have to lead in this new world that we live into, which is globally connected, right? 1000%. And, you know, um, I wrote a business book called The Power of Connecting. Uh, and in it, wow. I talk about how um, social media technology is actually having us become more disconnected than ever before. And what Absolutely. we can do and need to do to connect uh, from a business perspective. And uh, I like that you're doing that with your soldier's book. So, you, you know, when it comes to a course on connecting, uh, both of our books should be required reading for it. <laughs> yeah, amen. I mean, it's so important. And like in those, the, it's, it's very powerful, right? I can, I was able to, through connections, teach and I, tens of thousands of Ukrainians how to fight Russia. I literally was putting it out through, through the internet with no affiliation, just to be sure, just as a guy who studied her warfare. But that's the power of connections. But it also has this immensely dark side where people can go down, whether it's kids, like we were talking about, or literally people who start to view themselves as this online persona, um, to include, you're talking strong, you know, and then it's not real life. No, it's not. It's not, man. John, I've really enjoyed this conversation, man. You're uh, you're a great guest. Uh, definitely want to have you back on the business podcast as well. Um, let's wrap this up. So if you were to give the men listening to this show, and, and frankly, there's some women who listen to the show as well, the, the women listening to this, some advice on for the men, how they can live and for the women, you know, what to look for in their men and how to encourage them to exhibit more of these qualities. What would your, what would your biggest piece of advice be? So my biggest piece of advice is look deep into yourself um, and, and ensure that you're putting yourself to the test. Um, you just like working out, you have to stress muscles and you have to break them down. You only become strong through adversity. So the, in, I've learned that throughout my life. I try to teach to my kids. Um, you, if you're comfortable, that, that only leads to weakness. You have to yourself both, both in your values. You have to put yourself to the test. That's the only way you grow. And, and that can be applied to every whether it's a learning a martial skill to literally your day-to-day -day life. You have to have that struggle. If not, you become weak. You know what? I think that is going to be the title of this episode. Put yourself <laughs> to the test. <laughs> so there you go. John Spencer, man, an honor to have you here on the show. And we'll catch you on the flip side, brother. Thanks, brother. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.